Nutrition is way too complicated. What should I eat? How much do I eat? How much is too little? And do I need supplements? Or is that just making my pee really expensive? If you're trying to answer those questions, you can't do much better than talking with our guest this week. We're joined by Christine Hronick. She's an award-winning chemist, three-time champion fitness competitor, and an all-around expert in nutrition and exercise. We'll talk with her in just a moment to learn how to calculate your customized nutrition needs, why your wearable tracker may be lying to you, and when it makes sense to add supplements to your routine. But first, we want to thank our sponsor for this episode, Inside Tracker. When you do what you love, like yoga, CrossFit, and lifting heavy things, you want to do it for life. Inside Tracker can help. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside you and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Then Inside Tracker records your progress every day, every step of the way towards reaching your performance goals and living a longer, healthier life. For a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com/fitmess or visit the link on our website, thefitmess.com. This is The Fit Mess, conversations with world-class experts in the fields of mental, physical, and emotional health. In this episode, we can't expect perfection. I think we just need to do our best. But then you also, at the same time, can't cut yourself to too much slack where you have to be like, all right, do I want this goal or do I want to bullshit with my friends this weekend and have margaritas and nachos? Now here are your hosts, Zach and Jeremy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fit Mess Podcast and making us a part of your day and whatever it is you're doing right now. We appreciate you taking us along for the ride. And as we mentioned, we're talking about nutrition and exercise this week, which uh, I'm really bad at both, but I'm working on it. I, I've got to tell you, Zach, nutrition has always been something that has just baffled me, confused me. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to calculate it. I even took a nutrition class in college and had a conversation with the, I think he was a professor, whatever he was, he, he was the one teaching the class. And while he was uh, eating out of his Tupperware container full of uh, fruit that he chopped up every day to have as a, as a snack or part of his lunch or whatever, he was telling me how if I didn't learn what he was teaching, I was going to be doomed because it's, it's just such a critical thing, it's such a critical part of life to know how nutrition works. And in some ways, he's right, because I've just, for 40 years, I've been guessing and, and reading and sort of trying to implement what I get from those books. And I still, I'm as lost today as I've ever been. Well, I think the first mistake was, you're not going to be doomed if you don't figure out what's in that class. You're going to be doomed if you don't figure out what works best for your body, right? right? But to me, like, I, I love the science part of this. When I first actually started getting into health and wellness, I read a book, Nutrition for Dummies. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, a dummy's book on nutrition. Perfect. I, you know, with my third grade level of understanding, I should be able to, to figure this out. And I thought it was great, actually, which led me to more books and, and researching more to the, and experimenting with, you know, what does this do to my body? And what does that do to my body? And where am I deficient here and there? So I love the science of it. To me, it all makes sense. But as we will both admit, my brain works different than most people, which sometimes has advantages and most other times puts me at a disadvantage, but I love it. But for the masses, like it can definitely be a really challenging topic, especially when the truth isn't really apparent, right? All the commercials you see, all the ads, all the processed food companies, 
their goal is to trick you into thinking that you're eating healthier, you're eating the right thing. So, I mean, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So knowing what's true, what's not true, it, it, it can be really confusing. Especially when that in- misinformation is on the package of the thing you're buying. When you're tricked mm-hmm. with words like natural or, you know, it, it says organic, but it doesn't necessarily fit the standard to be organic or whatever. I mean, there's all these, these things that you have to get over these hurdles of. And then even if it is, even if the box isn't lying to you and it actually is sort of good for you, but if it's more carbs than your body needs and, or, or not enough fiber or, or the other things, the other parts of the calculation that you've got to figure out, it's just, it, it is terribly confusing. And, and I don't know. I mean, clearly you're the data guy. You like to look at the numbers. You like to like to break it down and figure out exactly what is going on. I need the Ikea instructions. Show me the picture of the guy, the, the <laughs> sort of flabby guy and what he's shoving in his face and in what order. That's what I need. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, do you know where to get that? I don't. I still don't. I, you know, I've been I've been working on this forever. I mean, I, I have some tips and some tricks, and, and there's some things that I do, and, and when they work, I try and just repeat them every day, and, and I'll see the progress that I want for a while, and then it'll plateau, and I figure, okay, well, it's time to go back to the drawing board, do something different. And I know, I know a big part of it for me is that I don't get in enough of the strenuous phys- physical activity. I need to get into the gym. I need to lift heavy things. I know that's a big missing piece of the puzzle. But for the most part, I also know that any weight management prospect is 80 to 90% nutrition. Mm -hmm. But I would argue that you actually do have more knowledge than you really think. I mean, you said that you limited your carbohydrate intake to 100 grams at one point, which actually led to even lower. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you can read a basic nutrition label. But, But this is the thing. That was a really dumbed down version of starting keto for me is it was, here's one number, just focus on this one number. And that worked for me. Mm-hmm. But when it comes and, to, so, and, and I, I don't, I don't know that keto is a, is a great long-term strategy. I don't know that it's something that you not, want to try and stay not, on for life. It's so, not. so once you take that number away from me, now I'm, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm just in no man's land floating around, just looking for the, the simple three page instruction on what to eat next. Okay. Well, how do you eat now? Tell me your, tell me about your day. Oh, here's what I've eaten so far. I've had, I've had my, my one meal that I have, uh, kind of midday to break my fast. And it is, uh, some Greek yogurt with some, I always say it wrong, psyllium husk and some, uh, husk. last time you said it was the other way around. No, I don't think so. All right. Whatever it is, whatever it is, it's in my yogurt and I got some flaxseed in there, got some hemp hearts, a banana. And a protein supplement. Dump it all in there, stir it up. That's my my breakfast that I have. So so why are you eating all that stuff? Most of it is uh, recommendations from our sponsor, Inside Tracker. Okay. So I again I ask, why are you eating that stuff? What does Inside Tracker tell you? Here's the great thing, and this is not part of the ad. This is just bonus material because we're uh, we happen to be talking about this. Within the app in Inside Tracker, it breaks down each of the like 35 recommendations and it's got a clear scientific explanation of why and how much and all of the things. Again, that's where Zach's data brain comes in. My dumb guy brain goes, do that? Okay, check. So that's what I'm doing. So your comment earlier in the show of, I just need somebody to tell me what to do. It's already there. 
Yeah, that's a great that's a great first place to start. I've got sort of a building block, and it's been working. I've been seeing the scale move in the direction that I want. I've been feeling the way that I that I want to feel, and I know that I need to get in more physical activity. I can feel my my body's telling me do more. This isn't enough. But not everybody's going to do this. I I hope they do. I think it's a great product. But there, this is a very confusing and difficult thing to navigate. I think for most people who have normal busy lives, just trying to feed their kids, feed themselves, go to work all the things. Yeah. And while I would highly support everyone, you know, using inside tracker, there are other resources that you can use. Like, I mean, there's definitely some web pages that you can find some basic information on what everyone should be eating, right? There is a baseline. And if you just focus on how you feel when you eat that stuff, you can figure some of the stuff out yourself, but we are not the experts. We are the experts of our own bodies. That's it. And I would, uh, I would even argue I am not the expert of my own body <laughs> on some days because my anxiety takes me over hard sometimes. To where it finds but, you facing the freezer looking for more ice cream. No, no ice cream. I've right. completely eliminated that from okay, my diet. Good, good. But mixed nuts. Oh, yeah. Somehow I got mixed nuts on my subscribe and save on Amazon. Oh. And there was some deal where it was like, ridiculous it was like 75 percent off like mixed nuts Mm -hmm. so i was like well oh but you have to do subscribe and save and i forgot to unsubscribe Mm -hmm. so for like six months we got like six cans and we weren't eating them so we have like an entire shelf devoted to mixed nuts so (laughs) they're actually been my go-to lately because there's no cholesterol and there's no saturated fat well, that's that's one that I go to. So normally, my day we were talking about my day. There's there's the yogurt concoction with all the things mixed in, and then typically I'll grab uh, a handful of nuts later in the day, and then dinner at night is is whatever uh, my lovely wife works so hard to prepare to to feed our family. Nice, nicely done. <laughs> She's within earshot. That's why I I had to make sure she could hear that. Whatever she works so hard to make sure. Her, Loving family consumes. So, you know, but you do know what you need to eat. You know what the the equations are for you. I'm getting a better idea, but you mentioned equations and they're difficult to figure out. They're difficult to know what's going to work best for you. Our guest has a lot of the answers. Her name is Christine Heronic. Uh, As we said, she's an award-winning chemist and a three-time champion fitness competitor. So if you want somebody who knows what to put in your body to make it work well, I don't know that you, can, that you can do much better. So we talked to her about her journey that took her from the chemistry lab to the stage of fitness competitions and eventually to the internet where she's sharing what she's learned. That is quite a list of accomplishments. How did you pull all of that off? Tell us how you became who you are today. Well, I actually got into the health and fitness space backwards. I'm a chemical engineer by training. I have a bachelor's and master's in chemical and biological engineering from Drexel University. I started my career off as a chemical engineer working for DuPont. I worked for biotech company, so I'm a scientist. And after I started working in the biotech field, I started consulting with people in product development and whatnot. And I had a really interesting offer to help build a manufacturing plant in the dietary supplement space. This was around 2009. And I built a plant from, from the ground up, got it FDA registered CGMP and was formulating dietary supplements. So I was building these products for a very long time. And as I was building them and got, got, just got more around industry, the protein, the bodybuilding, I started drinking the Kool-Aid. I got really <laughs> interested and I had my own little personal struggles with weight loss. 
I've always wanted to have abs like Janet Jackson when I was in college and I could never get there. And it pissed me off that I couldn't <laughs> figure it out because I'm like, this is science. There has to be a very methodical way to do this. And whatever I was doing, it was wrong. And I'm like, that's just not acceptable to me. So I'm like, what am I doing wrong? There has to be something I'm doing incorrectly. And I was doing a ton of cardio. I was eating too many carbs, not eating enough protein. And once I started to realize, okay, you need more protein. You need to weight train. You don't need to do that much cardio. You need to really track what you eat. That's the key. And I'm like, I wish I knew this because you know, like the 90s and like early, most of the 2000s, like just trying to figure it out and failing and feeling like there was something wrong with me, but it's just, I had the wrong approach. And then I kind of married the two of those together, just my science background and, and just my own attempts with wanting to change my own body. And as I became successful at that, so many people just started asking me for advice. And I loved helping people. It was so rewarding, so fulfilling. And people asked me more and more questions. And I started making YouTube videos to kind of answer these questions, but it just never stopped. And now I have my own online meal planning coaching service, Gage Girl Training, which I've been doing for eight years now. Going on my ninth, I have a dietary supplement company of, of my own. And I actually just got my first book deal. And my book is coming out next year. I'm really excited. So my first nutrition book. And I just, I'm in love with what I do. I'm absolutely in love with what I do. That's awesome. I have so many questions about all of those things that you just said. I'm going to start with the supplements though. I want to hear a little more about that. I I have been known to be a supplement junkie on occasion and like, you know, handfuls of, of supplements. And then I get rid of them and figure out which ones actually are good for me. So I, I would love to just hear your take on, on supplements in general, and then specifically what supplements you recommend or you have. And why do we need supplements if we do need them at all? That's a great question because the dietary supplement space, there's a lot of nonsense in this space. There's a lot of white noise, but a lot of brilliant marketing and good for the folks who are able to, you know, hook people through their good marketing. But the reality is there's a lot of products out there you don't need. I think that the benefit at the end of the day of supplements is to allow people to get nutrients they need in larger quantities that are more challenging to get in real whole foods. Protein's a perfect example of that. Do you need to take a protein supplement? No, you don't. You could eat eggs, egg whites, chicken, fish, whatever protein source of your choice that works for you, your dietary needs and whatnot. But it's a lot more convenient and economical option to get these things from real whole food. You're trying to gain muscle. Do you need supplements? No, you could work out in the gym, but there are some amino acids. There are some ergogenic aids that are scientifically proven to help benefit that. Is it going to, you know, is it going to be the end all be all? No, you still have to show up. So that to do the work. But is it going to give you a slight edge? Absolutely. You mentioned protein and uh, as a couple decade long vegetarian, this is something that is always a, a challenge whenever anybody considers a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle. So where can uh, vegetarians and vegans, people that don't want to consume meat products, where can they get protein, get the most bang for their buck and uh, in, in the most, uh, I guess, pure way rather than from a supplement like, like you suggested? Yeah. So um, for plant-based source, especially like vegan, vegetarian, there are plenty of foods. You just need to be a little bit more creative and really understanding the macronutrient profile of different foods. So um, one of my favorite protein sources for my plant-based clients is 
hemp tofu. Um, I've been moving away from like traditional soy tofu. A lot of people are kind of moving away from it from for the estrogenic yeah. compounds in soy. But um, hemp tofu is wonderful. It's a little bit higher in fat, but it's still a great protein source. Lentils are fantastic. I also think being strategic with your vegetables because, you know, broccoli is going to have more protein per gram. Mushrooms are going to have more protein per gram. Chia seeds, flax seeds, avocado, utilizing a variety of means because you can't, when you're a plant-based, you can't just think of it like a piece of chicken the way you would if you're not, because a lot of these foods are going to be higher in fiber. Some of them are going to be higher in carbs. And as a result of that, you're going to need to kind of look at your plate differently and not think of your plate like protein, carb, fat. You want to look at your plate and think, okay, of all the things I need to put on my plate, let me make sure the vegetables I'm consuming are the highest protein. The fats I'm consuming are the highest protein. And obviously the main protein, the thing that's the highest amount is going to be the high percentage of protein. Because I think I'm sure you know as a, a being vegetarian that just because something like lentils, it has protein, but it's also, I don't know, 30, 40% carbs. Mm-hmm. So you just have to be strategic with it. Yeah. But it can be done. It absolutely yeah. can be done. So with trying to track carbs and protein and the way we all live differently, right? There's no one number that's going to work for everyone. I know I'm a bit of a data nerd. So like, I love going and trying to figure that out based on my activity level and and what I need, but it's definitely not so easy for everyone. It's, it's something that's hard for them to do. So I'd love to hear your take on how do you calculate what kind of, how much protein you need and the level of macronutrients that you need to to be consuming for your lifestyle? Like, how do you make that easy for the masses or, or, or can you? Um, the, the answer is you absolutely can. And I actually have a, a really simple free macro blueprint that anyone can download at go.gagelife.com. It's a free 10 step blueprint explaining one of the most prominent approaches, which I call the bodybuilder approach, which is that higher protein, lower fat, moderate carb approach. But the reality is there are a lot of different approaches to macronutrients. It's a ketogenic approach. Some people go low carb, high fat. I think before I would recommend what t- how much protein anybody would go on, I would screen a few screening questions first while making sure that nobody is pre-diabetic, diabetic, thyroid, hormone issues. You want to kind of filter those issues out because those things need to be treated differently. But for the average healthy adult, I think a decent rule of thumb for somebody who is just looking to gain lean muscle mass, someone who's going to be working out three to five times a week, is around 0.8 to 1 gram of protein per pound of lean body mass. I'd say I don't think any active adult, when I say active, meaning, you know, going for a walk, walking your dog, like recreational, I think even at that level, we should be aiming for at least 0.7 grams of protein per pound of lean body mass. And the thing is, this is drastically different than what the, the labels say on protein products. Because if I pull any label right now, according to the USDA, we should be consuming 50 grams of protein based off of a 2,000 calorie per day diet. That's 10, that's 10%, I believe. And that's very low compared to what you know most bodybuilders eat mm. and just healthy, active individuals. So the reason for that is that data right there, that's based off of the amount of protein the body needs to support DNA resynthesis. That doesn't account for muscle recovery. That doesn't account for people who want to have a leaner, fitter look. So I think we need to keep that in context that, you know, those labels are saying the average person needs 60% carbs. 
you know, 30% fat, which I'm in agreement with, but 10% protein is pretty low mm-hmm. um, for the average person. So, you know, what, what this translates into, I'd say the average person, I think we should be getting a bare minimum for women, bare minimum of like 100 grams per day. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're training, maybe closer to 150. For men, I think minimum 100 to 150. But if you're active in, in the gym, I'd say closer to 200, just for a ballpark. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned the evil C word, carbs. How do we how do we know we're getting too many? How many are too many? Should we eat them at all? They, you know, they, they get a pretty bad rap uh, from a lot of diets that are out there. So how, how do we navigate the carbohydrate? Uh, so rumors? there are several types of carbohydrates. Obviously, there's insoluble fiber, there's soluble fiber, and there's sugar. And I think that when you break carbohydrates down into the different chemical forms, it's really easy to delineate the appropriate amount that you actually should be taking. And in 2008, Michelle Obama actually implemented some changes to the labeling. And one of those major changes was the fact that there is now a dietary requirement on the amount of sugar that you can consume in a day. And that didn't used to exist before. And they are stating that, you know, of your total carbohydrates, it shouldn't be any more than 10 to 20% of your total carbs coming from sugar. So that provides some very clear cut boundaries for how much sugar we can be consuming. And what that means is ultimately consume carbs, you know, fruit, vegetables, they're wonderful, but it's just, you want to be more mindful of not overdoing it with the starch and the refined sugars and not going too high in those levels. But also just to counter that, you got to look at the fiber because fiber is so essential. And I'm telling you guys, I think there's going to be like a huge wave of fiber supplements coming really soon because you know how like what people struggle to hit their protein. I feel like fiber is the, is something else people really struggle to hit because it's an, the average woman should be getting a minimum of 17 grams of fiber per day. Average man minimum of 25. That's just bare minimum, right? So one cup of spinach is one gram of fiber. Now, obviously, there's fiber in oatmeal. There's fiber in other things, but you have to make a really concerted effort just to hit those bare minimums mm-hmm. in a day. So I think that back to Zach's question on supplements, when do you need them? I think you need them anytime. It's it's almost like tedious and just more challenging to get that amount of nutrients from real whole food. That's when it makes more sense to shift to a supplement, um, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, making sure you're hitting the right amount of fiber is going to be essential just for digestive health. And making sure your cholesterol's in check, estrogen levels are in check for men and women because fiber helps detox excess estrogens. Both are going to be fantastic. I'd love to ask you about weight loss now because I guess when I was growing up, it was all, all about the number on the scale. And, you know, in, in the last month, I've actually gained five pounds, but my belt is actually looser, like my pants are looser. Um, and that's been because I've been lifting weights and building muscle and hopefully eating as much protein as you're recommending. Tell me about the number on the scale and is it actually important or are we looking at the wrong data and you know what we should be doing instead if it's not something you want to look at? It matters to a certain extent. Obviously, if you're carrying like excess amounts of weight, it's not going to be healthy, but I've been experiencing something very similar, Zach, and that is gaining weight, but looking better. <laughs> you look in the mirror and clothes fitting better and your measurements being better and to come down to body composition. It's going to come down to your body fat percentage. And this is so hard for so many women to just digest that fact because 
we've been told our whole lives that weighing less is better. And I have these little things here, like with the fat and like the muscle, it's just the way your body stores muscle is so drastically different from where it's going to store fat. Like this is not fat on the body. It, it, this is not going to look attractive. It's not going to concentrate and aggregate around the places where it's going to give you a more visually pleasing aesthetic. So the thing is, if you're dropping inches and you're gaining weight, it doesn't really matter as long as, as long as your heart is healthy, as long as you are eating right, as long as your, your major labs of, and markers of health are good. I don't see any issue with that. And I think it's something that is so liberating to so many people to know that the number on the scale is not the end all be all. I want to be more like the two of you. The, my scale is going up, but it's not, uh, my pants are not fitting better. My clothes are not fitting better. So what, uh, I, I've always heard that diet is anywhere from 70 to 90% of it. I know I don't get enough protein. I know I don't get enough veggies. These are things that I'm actively doing now. So walk me through the 70 to 90%, which is true. And, and what are some common mistakes? And then when I do want to burn it off, can I just go for a walk? Can I just do yoga? Can I just go for a run? Do I need to mix all of that up? How do you battle the fat loss and, and burn it off efficiently? So nutrition is going to be like 90% of the battle. It's so crazy. The, the beginning of this year, I actually had a knee injury and I wasn't cleared to do anything. I, I physically couldn't. And for the first three months of this year, and you know, like a lot of us over the holidays, gain a little bit of weight. And I was able to get myself back on track with just nutrition alone. And the key here is going to be cutting alcohol. No one wants to hear that, but we got to cut alcohol back. And the reality is when you consume alcohol, alcohol is a toxin. Your body can't store alcohol, can't do anything useful with it. And as a result, your body will pause fat loss. So you're pausing your ability to lose fat for 48 to 72 hours when you consume alcohol due to the alcohol metabolism process. I actually have a whole YouTube series on that process in several videos. So that's one thing. We're going to drink plenty of water. You want to make sure that you're tracking your food. And obviously macros matter. And we're talking about protein, we're talking about carbs, but your calories still matter. So if you are not eating in a caloric deficit, if you are eating, so here's, here's the way it works. Really simple. There's something called your BMR, your basal metabolic rate. It is how many calories you need to consume to just be for 24 hours, right? So you take that value. It's a certain number of calories. Then you add whatever amount of calories you are doing for activity, working out. And then you take the sum of those two. That's your total daily energy expenditure. We take this number and then we apply it to our deficit. So if you want to lose one pound of body fat per week, you need to be in a deficit of 500 calories per day because to burn one pound of body fat in a week, 3,500 calories over seven days, 3,500 divided by seven, 500. So the numbers don't lie. And it pisses me off so bad, you guys, because <laughs> I'll be checking my macros. I'm thinking, I'm eating kale. I'm eating brown rice. Like, this is healthy, right? But like the calories don't lie. Mm -hmm. doesn't lie. So like, if you're over, you're over. You're not in a deficit. And we have to move away from thinking like, just arbitrarily eating healthy is good enough. It's worth it to track your food, at least for a couple weeks get dialed in so you really are mindful of your portions, Jeremy, because if you're not, nothing's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then once you get in the groove and you have an idea, okay, this is the portion size I should be eating. This is how much. 
and you probably don't need to be tracking as strictly, but you're going to have to go through that rude awakening where you're like, crap, that's what, that's how much I'm supposed to have, <laughs> you know? Right. Totally, totally. So eating too many calories is obviously an issue, but there is a sweet spot in there, right? Where you have to eat a certain amount. If you eat too few, that's also an issue, right? Ooh, absolutely. Um, under eating is definitely a problem. It's not going to allow your body to have the, the metabolic capacity that it needs. It's hormonally, it will lower your leptin levels, which is a hormone that tells your body that it's okay to part with stored body fat. So under eating is definitely not something that's beneficial either. It's, it's being targeted. And that's why if tracking the food is a little too overwhelming for some folks, which it is if you're a beginner, following a detailed meal plan, it, it's maybe, it may not be the most fun thing, but it's going to at least get you dialed in to where you need to be. And then you can make substitutions from that point. So you mentioned BMR. That is, again, that's a, a number that changes based on who you are. How do you figure that out? I would love to say that my BMR is like 4,000 calories a day, but, um, you know, or, or I could eat 4,000 a day just to maintain, but I know that's not true. How do you figure out your BMR and what that number is for you? Because it, it can vary vastly from person to person, right? Absolutely. And we can run your BMR right now if you're not shy and share your information. Um, sure. How, how tall are you? Six foot even. Okay, six foot, and I actually have an online calculator, and I am using the Harris-Benedict equation. How much do you currently weigh? Uh, last check, I am 218. All right, so 218, and how old are you? 42, really old. You're young, oh my goodness. All right, so your BMR is 2,052 calories, 2,052.94, so let's just say roughly 2,050. That's not bad. Just to maintain, that's assuming... You did nothing in 24 hours. And if you, ooh, I'm sorry, I made you 6'4". Let me rerun it. Oh, <laughs> sorry. You're not 6'4". My bad. It's All going right. down. It's yeah. going down. Um, it is going down. Sorry about that. Why does it keep trying to make you 6'4"? I, you know, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I will take it. I, th I think it's measuring his ego. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say roughly 2,000 calories then in that case. So, um. Yeah, with that being said, roughly 2,000 calories, and that, that's plenty of food. That's just for you to maintain. I'm, I'm sure you're active. I'm sure you're working out. So, you know, you'll probably need to be closer to, I don't know, somewhere between 2,000 and 3,000 calories. And obviously that number can be dialed in according to your activity level. So that's interesting because my numbers would be similar. I'm, I'm a couple inches taller, but around the same number. And, you know, my, my ring and my watch and the 14 trackers I've got on my body tell me that I burn about 3,000 calories every day. So I guess maybe where I'm falling short is I must be eating more than that. And that's why the weight's not coming off. I think it's two things. So you, it, it's, it's common that people under, um, underestimate how much we're actually eating. It's very common. But those trackers, they overestimate how many calories people are burning. I think it's good. Like the steps, I love it. It keeps people active. But like if you were actually burning 3,000 calories a day, like 3,000, right, times seven days in a week, that's 21,000 calories a week. Like, you'd probably be burning, what, like six, seven pounds a week? Like, we know that's yeah. not happening. No offense. Right. No, like, no, no, I'm no but that's that's that. where I'm I'm baffled constantly. I'm like, I, yeah. the numbers from my magical robots tell me I'm doing fine. Why does the scale <laughs> lie to me? <laughs> I don't know why these things tend to overestimate. I think that 
I think they're fantastic at telling you your heart rate. I think it's good, you know, people who have daily step goals. I love it. And it's good just to promote activity. I don't think it's an accurate gauge. Mm -hmm. So I like to use activity factors. Just general rules of thumb. I would rather assume that you're burning less than more. Mm -hmm. And my general rule of thumb for calories burned is I like to use the 100 calories per mile rule. So um, I'm a former distance runner. I used to run marathons. This was like all in my days before I found the light and learned that, you know, it didn't matter if I ran a marathon and still I'm not going to get abs unless I'm eating in a deficit weight training. Um, so the rule of thumb I like to use is 100 calories per mile. So whether you walk a mile, whether you run a mile, you're going to burn roughly 100 calories per mile. And it's a very conservative estimate. I think that we can accurately track how far we've moved in a day distance-wise. And it's going to be way more conservative of an estimate. So if you hit, let's say, 10,000 steps in a day, for most people, that's roughly four miles or so. So you're saying, okay, that was an extra four or 500 calories. That's a, that's a lot more realistic than 3,000 in a day. Sure, sure. Uh, one of the videos I watched uh, from your YouTube channel, which is a lot of, a lot of fun and a lot of great information there, you talked about the mindset going into any sort of change, whether it's nutrition or, or exercise. How important is mindset to making a change in, in whatever aspect of our life it is that we're trying to affect? It's everything. It's absolutely everything. I mean, I think sometimes people, like, they already go into something with all these self-limiting doubts and all this baggage from everything they've done in the past that didn't work. Like, I was one of those people. and. You have to go into these things with the mindset just to take it a day at a time, to do your very best. And it's one of those things where it's always a work in progress. If you get too far ahead of yourself, sometimes mentally, you can really mentally mind after yourself. <laughs> and it, it's just not good. I think that being gracious, being patient, believing that you care, but also being sober, realistic, and patient in that process. Because... You start getting, I find like my clients who get a little too hype too soon are the people who end up falling off mm -hmm. right away. You just need to take a slow and steady, sober mindset to it. Like, no, it's going to take a minute, but no, you can do it. Know that if you mess up, you just reset early, reset often and keep going. And I think we can't expect perfection. I think we just need to do our best. But then you also, at the same time, can't cut yourself too much slack where you have to be like, all right do I want this goal or do I want to bullshit with my friends this weekend and have margaritas and nachos or do I really want this goal? So it's a combination of both. Lots of great information there. Thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Where can we learn more about you and your services? So you guys can check me out on gagegirltraining.com. I have a YouTube channel, Gage Girl Training. There's over 800 videos there. One of the best ways to connect with me directly is on Instagram, Gage Girl Training. Shoot me a DM over there. Or um, if you guys want to see my free macros blueprint, you guys can visit go.gagelife.com go for my free blueprint. You guys can check it out there. And we will put all those links on our website as well. And uh, when the book comes out, we'd love to have you on again. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thanks so much. All right. Our thanks to Christine Peronic. All of the links that were mentioned in the interview can be found on our website, fitmess.com. So, Jeremy, I think that after, you know, having done the show for, I don't know, 90 plus episodes now, I think we've probably heard like 80 times that mindset's important. Seems to be a big deal in I'm this not, space. You know, I'm, I'm still not 
quite there yet. I don't know. Maybe I, we might need another 90 people to tell me, but you know, we, we hear that a lot. Just listening to that reminds me, I mean, you know, I was whining and complaining at the beginning of the show about how nutrition is hard and I, I can't figure these things out. I also know that part of that is my mindset that I, I haven't made it a priority. I haven't made it a priority to put everything aside and figure out exactly what works. I haven't made it a priority to actually go to the gym that is like a 10 minute walk from my house and use the heavy things that are there to lift them up and put them down. Oh, you haven't told me that the gym is only 10 minutes away. Oh, it's it's in this community. I could literally walk there in 10 minutes. Like not even yeah. 10 minutes, five minutes. That's it. I'm going to start giving you shit about that. Yeah, I have no excuse. And so I know that it's a big part of it is just the mindset. I don't make it a priority. And so before we hit record here, I, I was thinking about what what is it going to take to get me in the gym? And I thought back to the interview we did with your trainer, Kayla, and she talked about when someone joins a CrossFit gym, like first step, just show up, just walk in the door. And so part of me was thinking, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll walk out. I literally just walk in the door just so that I can sort of get over that hurdle of, oh God, it seems like I got to put on shoes and walk all the way over there. It's going to be a thing. And then I got to lift the things and then I got to come back and get cleaned up. Like I've played out in my head what an ordeal it's going to be. And it's going to take like 30 minutes tops. I have no excuse. It's literally a mindset shift that I need to make for myself to get on track. This morning, it was one of those weird mornings where like my alarm went off. I was in the middle of a dream. I don't know. I think it's everyone. But like when I wake up in the middle of a dream, Mm -hmm. I'm super groggy. Mm -hmm. Like going back to sleep is a real option. Yeah. But I got out of bed. I was like, just get up. That's your first step. Just get up. Like stand up. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I've stood up. I still want to go back to bed. Nope. <laughs> go put some clothes on. I still want to go back to bed. Get in your car. I still want to go back to bed. Get to the gym. And that was it. Once I made it there, yep. I was still tired, but like you're there. What are you going to do? Well, it's our, our guest just the other day, she posted on Instagram. It was something to the effect of work out first thing in the morning before your body figures out what's going on. Like That's brilliant. Yep. It's a it great is. idea. So all you have to do, Go back and listen to 85 plus shows that talk about mindset Mm -hmm. that we've done Mm -hmm. and just commit. Right. Figure it out. Do it. Right. Sometimes it is that simple. It is just a matter of just quit thinking about it. Quit worrying. Quit wondering what's going to happen if, and oh God, what if I hurt? Just, just shut up and go, just go do it. Yeah. But with the right mindset, right? Yes. We know that's harder than it sounds, but you do have to make a commitment. You have to shift your mindset to completing that task, to doing whatever it is that you want to do. If it's learning about nutrition, which I'm going to ask you about nutrition next week. (laughs) I'll still know as much as I know today. (laughs) What happens when we eat too much protein? I don't know. Seriously? You ate keto for that long and you don't know what happens when we eat too much? 100. That was all I had to think about. 100. (laughs) Real simple. Uh, if you eat too much protein, it converts Turns into, into sugar. I know. Into sugar, see? I know. Mom, you knew that. All right, well, fine. Maybe I will put on some shoes and walk over to the gym and just be there. And then I'll come back, of course, because I'm not going to go lift anything heavy today. That's that's ridiculous. But I'll do my best, and we'll update you next week when we post a brand new episode. Thanks so much for listening. Quick reminder, uh, we do have a brand new Facebook group that we are opening and inviting followers on our Facebook page to participate. This month, our challenge is meditation, trying to get yourself to meditate three to four times a week, five minutes a day, 
We will talk about how that's going so far. And we have not only a, a 50% off code for Headspace for you to join in that Facebook group, but, but there's a, a new app that I'm using. It's very cool. It's called Balance, and they are giving away a free year right now. So we'll have a link to that and some other uh, resources for you to experiment with your meditation practice. We'll talk about all of that and our progress as well over the next few weeks. But make sure to come back next week to thefitmess.com where we will have a brand new episode on Wednesday as we do every week. Thanks so much for listening. See you, everyone. We know this podcast is amazing and doesn't seem to lack anything, but we need a legal disclaimer. Prior to implementing anything discussed in this podcast, it is your responsibility to conduct your own research and consult your physician. You should assume that Jeremy and Zach don't know what they're talking about, and they're not liable for any physical or emotional issues that occur directly or indirectly from listening to this podcast.